Welcome everybody to our Portraits of Jesus uh, series. And in this, we've been looking at the portraits of Jesus that have been painted uh, uh, with story by the Apostle John in the fourth book of the New Testament. Trish taught last week that beautiful story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Now, apart from the image of Jesus on the cross, this one of Jesus bending to wash feet is such an essential visual image for us to understand our God and his love for us. And that story from last week is part of five chapters in John's Gospel, chapters 13 to 17, that are unique to that book. Scholars call it the farewell discourse. That's the actions and the words of Je that Jesus shared with his disciples on the night before he was arrested and killed. In these words of wisdom, he is laying it all down, showing his disciples everything that he can about the Father's heart before, well, before they go through the horrors that are awaiting them. These chapters are so beautiful. I dare you to read them and not be moved by what God really thinks about us, his children. There's a challenge for you this week. Why don't you do this? Read John chapters 13 to 17. But today we look at the portrait in chapter 15 verses 1 to 17. And this is our painting for this week, which we will come back to a little bit later. Now these words in the 15th chapter of John are incredibly powerful. Rick, my husband, reminded me this week that they were the catalyst for his commitment to Jesus. You know, Rick became a Christian within three months of us going out together a long, long time ago. He knew virtually nothing about the Bible but he had felt the call of Jesus and he answered yes. My mum, totally thrilled that her prayers had been answered and the heathen boy that her daughter had started dating had become a Christian, gave him a book called My Father is the Gardener. And Rick, wanting desperately to impress his new girlfriend's mother, read the book from cover to cover. The rest, as they say, is history. I want to look particularly at these verses because Jesus lays out the two things that he knows will change the lives of his disciples and consequently the trajectory of world history. Does that sound like hyperbole, like I'm trying to make a big deal out of nothing? I believe it to be true. We could spend our lives chasing down every self-help guru or philosophy, every podcast or YouTube series on how to change your life, every political statement on how to fix this broken world. But I believe that the plan that Jesus gave us on the night before his death is the answer to our personal desire to live rich, fulfilling and purposeful lives and the answer to the world's great desire for justice, equity and purpose. On the night before he died, Jesus begged his followers to pursue two things, just two, union and communion. 
Union being the joining of our hearts with Jesus together in harmony. And communion, the joining of many hearts together in harmony. That's the church. So let's read the beginning of this chapter, verses 1 to 11. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Now, the analogy of using a vine and fruit, grapes, was an obvious one to use in the agrarian community that Jesus lived in. And it's pretty obvious that Jesus would want followers to bear fruit. In other words, following Jesus should have some sort of impact on us. It should change us. It should change our thinking and behaviour in some way. You know, when I joined the gym, I hoped that it would bear fruit in my life. I planned to be fitter, stronger, healthier, able to withstand the trials of grandmahood, when I signed up for an online art class, I hoped it would bear fruit. I wanted to be more creative and more skilled at my craft. But what is the fruit that Jesus is talking about? What fruit do we bear when we sign up for relationship with him? Well, the obvious place to start is where the Apostle Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit, the things that come into our lives when the Holy Spirit fills us. He said that when we sign up for Jesus, this is what we should expect to see growing in our lives. As this is from Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Not a bad list. I'm not going to get those from a gym membership. 
These are some of the character qualities that should be growing in a disciple of Christ. But as we read the New Testament, it is obvious that there are other fruit that should be growing in a Christian's life. Things like making new disciples, people who who have been influenced to start a relationship with Jesus because of your influence. Healthy, nourishing friendships. You will know how to create them and keep them. Maybe it's a healthy marriage if this is God's path for you. And consequently, one of the fruits growing from you could be kids who love God and his church. One of the fruits that grow should be an attitude to our finances that places the kingdom as the first priority for what we do with our money. And that means helping others. Another fruit will be wisdom in making life decisions. How about the ability to walk through suffering with an attitude of faith in a good God. And the ability to use the gifts that God has given you to enrich not only your own life, but especially the lives of others. Now there is some fruit worth growing. How? How do I live a life like that? Jesus makes it so clear in the words we have just read. There is one word that we have just read over and over and over again. Remain, remain, remain. Stay in union with him. You know, this this bunch of grapes here, It doesn't have to strive and strain to produce grapes. It just has to stay connected to the vine and the fruit will naturally appear. If you are a Christ follower, here's a question for you. How did you get connected to the vine? Did you grow up in a Christian family? Was it through the influence of a friend? something you read, something you saw? Was it an experience of coming to church and just feeling the reality of his presence? It doesn't matter how you got attached. The issue is, is there life in your branch? Are there fresh green leaves growing? Is there fruit coming from your life? Jesus is saying, I want your lives to be fruitful and to be that, you just need to be faithful. Stay in union with me and the good things will naturally grow in your life. So let's talk about what this union looks like. If you are in union with Jesus, you will have a commitment to believing certain things. We learn what these are through reading scripture, through listening to teachers of the word, podcasts, through talking together with other followers, maybe in a life group. This is a commitment to Jesus' thinking, and this is important. 
If you are in union with Jesus, you will have a commitment to behaving in the Jesus way, living in a way that sets you apart. Jesus says, if you love him, you will obey his teaching, living sacrificially, generously, humbly, purely, honourably, mercifully, gracefully. This is a commitment to Jesus living, and this is important. I grew up knowing all about these two aspects of being faithful, Jesus thinking and Jesus living. I love the scripture. I love to learn about him and his ways. I have seen through experience that the Jesus way of behaving in this world is good and true. But it wasn't till I was in my 20s that I really learned about the third element of union with Jesus and it changed me forever. Jesus' beliefs, Jesus' behaviour can be taught, but this third element has to be caught. And once you catch this, everything else comes alive. So here is my third thing. If you are in union with Christ, you will experience an interior, mystical, supernatural experience that is completely unlike anything that the world offers. And this experience comes to us as we invite the Holy Spirit to fill us with his presence. This is a commitment to Jesus' intimacy, and this is important. Now, how does one explain what this is like? It's it's harder than trying to explain what it feels like to fall deeply in love with another human being, but that's probably the closest we get to the feeling. I grew up in a wonderful Methodist church that gave me a foundation in Jesus' belief and Jesus' behaviour that has stayed with me all of my life. But I don't remember being confronted with the supernatural presence of the Holy Spirit in the way I was when I walked into a church that invited me to open my soul to that experience. I will never forget the overwhelming feeling of the love of God flowing through me that came from inviting the Holy Spirit to fill me and empower me to follow him. It was like, it was like the gardener had just poured water onto a dried out plant. The plant was alive, but the fruit was not flourishing. I felt the goodness of God pulsing through me in a physical way, and it literally made me weak in the knees. I often feel like this when we're worshiping together at Gateway. The experiences that people have with the Holy Spirit are as individual as each person listening today, but they are always wonderful. Some experience it as a feeling of, of, I don't know, of just being warmed by God's presence. Others will literally fall over on the floor and stay there for hours. Some will find themselves speaking in languages they've never learned. Some will be filled with a new clarity and purpose. But these experiences will always remind us that we are firmly attached to the vine and his life is pouring into us. 
we will know that this experience is genuine because it will fuel our desire to learn more of him, to read our Bible, to pray, to be in church with his people. And doing these spiritual disciplines will fuel our desire to be filled with more of him. And that will fuel our desire to learn more and read and pray and serve and give and obey. It's this constant cycle of, of filling and pouring out. Jesus fills us with his power and love and we pour it out of our lives into others in service and generosity. So how do we remain in union with him? We seek him in prayer and in his word and in his church and we seek his supernatural power and presence. Union with him is what we need. We are going to pray about that in a few minutes, but before we do, let's touch on the second deep desire that Jesus has for us. He desires union with us, and that will be proven in our life through communion with others. There is no such thing as an isolated Christian. So let's read verses 12. To 17. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my commandment, love one another. This is the radical distinction of the people of God. We love each other. Please don't tell me that you are experiencing the deep infilling of the Holy Spirit in your life if you cannot love the people around you because that's the fruit of Jesus' juice running through your veins. And you know, this is how a small group of disciples way back in the first century fanned a movement that changed the world with an outpouring of love, acceptance, equity, forgiveness, grace and incredible love. You know, it's it's quite hilarious reading historical documents written at the time of the explosion of the early church through, through the Roman Empire. An official was writing about these Christians who were winning people over to their cult by, wait for it, loving people, accepting everybody. Oh my goodness, slaves were worshipping alongside noblemen Even women were accepted. He writes to his underling, maybe we need to try this loving strategy if we want to beat them back. But they failed. They didn't have the Jesus juice running through their veins. They couldn't love each other. Union with Jesus cannot be faked. You cannot produce fruit when you are not attached to the vine. 
I want to show you this portrait again. Uh, it's a woodcut by Solomon Raj. And I just love the way this shows how we are attached to each other through Christ and how tragic it is for the kingdom of God when one branch decides to reject um, another one. So let's make the Christian faith really simple. Stay in union with Jesus. Stay in communion with his people and wonderful fruit will blossom from our lives. You know, God wants to reconnect all of us in a new way today. Remaining in him is not just a one-time decision, it's a daily decision, a daily handing over of control of your life. And he is oh so ready to pour his power and love into willing vessels. Are you willing today to experience his presence in a new way? Let's pray together. Father, I pray for everyone right now who is hearing this message, either through headphones or through the screen of a TV or, or a computer. But Lord, I know that your spirit is not stopped by by technical, the technical aspects of how we hear it. I know that your spirit is right now ready to overwhelm, to fill everyone who wants to open their hearts to him. I pray for people who maybe have known about Jesus all of their lives, but have never really felt the overwhelming power of the Holy Spirit. So Lord, I just ask now for everyone that is hearing my voice, would just experience you in a new way. You are a mystical, powerful God. And you have promised that your Holy Spirit would fill us would give us the power that we need to love the way Jesus loved. God, we, we fail so often when we are not attached to you. So right now, today, Lord, we ask that your power, your nutrition, your goodness, your grace would flow into our lives and that we would see fruit of godly character, fruit of godly service and selflessness blossom in our lives. We're so sorry, Lord, for the times we've tried to do it on our own. We've tried to strive to be better when all we needed to do was hold on to your hand. We love you, Lord. Give us union with you and communion with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We ask this in your name. Amen.